out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Dangerous World, and I know I say it every single time at this point, but I mean it this time. I really do mean that we got a fun one here for you today, okay? Video games. Everybody loves video games, or at least at one point you probably did, and of course, there's a lot of weird conspiracies within some of them. There's some kind of like hidden meaning to some of these, and and I'm actually going to go through, you know, some games that are really mainstream and then some that are more obscure some are very obscure kanye quest 3030 i don't know if you guys heard of that game that's a fun one um but there's some wild little like just little coincidences some conspiratorial shit in each of these and uh, i'm excited to go through the list that i found i left out minecraft i mean minecraft is a pretty conspiratorial game if you look into it there's a whole iceberg actually about minecraft specifically like the hidden things within that and uh, just some of the, the hidden meanings and whatnot. <clears throat> but I, I, I'm i going to range from, like I said, sports games to, you know, RPGs and all these other fun different games like that. And this was actually kind of, uh, you know, I, I got a little fire lit up under my ass from the post that Conspiracy Kyle had shared with myself and Matt um, about Mario 64, right? This idea that the each copy of Mario 64 was personalized and it almost learned about the user or the player as the user or the player continued playing the game. So you go over to your friend's house, you play his or her copy, I'm trying to be gender neutral here, of Mario 64, it would be slightly different than yours. Not necessarily noticeable to most, but if you're struggling on a particular part, I don't know, you go over to play another game, it, it, you know, plays out a little differently, you're able to beat it right away, that's kind of, uh, it's one of those things, and that's happened to me, right? That's happened to a lot of kids that played these old games. Uh, Star Wars was a big game that I used to play when I was younger, and um, there's just some wild, wild things that I found. I kind of was looking just at, more out of curiosity to see, is there enough here to do an episode on a list of video games? There absolutely is. I could do two or three of these, probably, We'll stick with one for now, obviously, but uh, holy shit, I got some wild games. Some that I'm going to go through, um, I'm going to do the LSD Dream Emulator. I'm going to, we actually, probably later in the episode too, I'm going to go through this site that has a lot of weird shit. It seems like a whole community based around this site, but there's games, there's art, there's all kinds of different things that you can view on this site. It's very hard to navigate the site though. Um, so we'll go through that a little bit. I mentioned Kanye Quest 3030, uh, World Chat. That's a wild, uh, kind of just a weird, like creepy vibe to it. It's not necessarily something that's going to blow your mind, but the theory behind it is strange. 
Of course, anytime you do an episode like this, you got to talk about Polybius. This is the end all be all. And I'll be starting there because if you look up video game conspiracies, this is what you're going to come across first. This is like on a tier of its own when it comes to conspiracy. So we'll start there. Talk about uh, the Madden curse. I mean, the Madden curse is very fucking real. Absolutely real. Some crazy stuff with Elder Scrolls. Um, I'm not talking about Zelda. Um, a lot of people have have mentioned that Zelda is uh, a pretty wild game when you really look into it. I heard something as far as like one of the games represents the five stages of grief when you go through the levels. And um, there's some great videos done on that kind of stuff. So there's a ton of work out there on this kind of stuff. I'm not going to read off all the uh, games that I'm going to go through because what's the point, right? Um Yumi Niki, we're going to do that one too. That's a weird one. I mean, like I said, these are just strange, strange things. And I'm excited to talk about these. So hopefully you will enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the research. That's when I know it's a fun episode, is when I enjoy researching it, right? Doing this for like three years, doing multiple episodes a week. Sometimes you hit walls. And I have found like this exciting new thing that I'm going to go down with all these different icebergs and all these different... Uh, there's like a... Um, a lost media iceberg that I'd like to tap into a little bit and, and talk about in a separate episode, obviously, but I should have quite a bit of content just from these icebergs. There's a great internet iceberg with creepy internet videos and all kinds of shit. Um, so the next ones won't be as fun as this one. Some of them might be kind of scary and whatnot, but um, it's all leading up to that big 400 episode, right? With uh, the South Park, uh, South Park deep dive. And that's going to be fun. I've been working on that. So, you know, I like to do housekeeping up front, get it out of the way, uh, and I appreciate you guys for listening to me talk about that boring shit, but the way that the show is really supported by most of the listeners, uh, or most of the people that choose to support, I should say, is through Patreon, patreon.com slash dangerousworldpodcast. It means a ton to me when you go over there, you throw down three, five, or $10, $3 gets you the full versions of all these episodes, 5 uh, gets you some bonus content, and $10, we do like a... You know, monthly chat. It didn't work out last month for some reason. The the link was broken. And uh, by the time I figured that out, uh, I don't think anyone was uh, thinking that it was still going. So my apologies. Um, but that's really the only thing that you get for $10. I don't like to do any false advertising. It's not like I'm going to uh, bring you enlightenment or anything with the $10 tier. It's just if you support the show. So I very much appreciate all the people that do that. Keeps the lights on, so to speak, in the studio and in my home. Because my studio is my home. Now, pay, uh, I mentioned the Patreon, the DangerousWorldPodcast.com. There's a great little uh, merch store that we got over there. And it's fun. I try to keep new shirts coming in there at least monthly. Uh, the newest design is that, uh, you know, broken several women's sports records. That's a fun one to wear out in public. Uh, and I'm, we're going to be adding something on there. It's a project that Ghost and I have been working on for a while where... We found this 100% like organic uh, soap company, right? And we got some of their soaps. We put some cool labels on them, and they're all conspiratorially themed. Now, these com this company sells their bars of soap for 10 bucks. We buy them wholesale, and we're trying to settle on a price of where we're selling them. I think we're landing on four or five. Of course, you do have to pay shipping um, for, for the bars, but that's one thing that I do want to give to my $10 supporters is at least one bar. If you've been on there for a while, I'm going to do uh, like two or three. I know that there's still the shirts that I got to send out. They're all printed. I'm just going to send those along with the soaps. So you guys have been patient. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough just being a one-man team over here. You know what I mean? 
But um, that's enough of that stuff. I do have one last thing with the housekeeping. Pure pet wellness, guys. I mentioned this a couple times. I actually gave my dogs some of the CBD the other day. And it really did relax them. Like, I'm not even bullshitting. I, I would not want to give, like, some bullshit to any animals, right? This is all made in America. This is good stuff. They've got the CBD products. They've got some, uh, I just saw this organic paw bomb kit. It's like, a, there's medium, small, large. Um, this, this medium one looks like a deodorant stick that you essentially just roll over your dog's foot. I think that that's awesome. And uh, there's the plain, and then there's the CBD as well. I've actually taken some of the topical ointment stuff and rubbed it on my dog's noses to try to, uh, you know, keep their, their noses moist. Two of my three have um, extremely dry noses. One, it's uh, almost annoyingly wet. It's like a fish with, with how wet that nose is. But that means he's healthy. So if you go there, if you go to purepetwellness.com, you enter DWP when you're checking out, you should receive 20% off. Now, if you don't, let me know. I haven't, uh, we haven't like sold anything through here yet. This is a great guy that does this. He has a conspiracy podcast and uh, seems like a very, very nice dude. He was kind enough to send me some products and I'm uh, happy to team up with a small business like this. I think it's freaking awesome. So uh, obviously, most of the money going to this small business, but they they peel off a little bit of it and give it to the affiliates. So thank you very much to Pure Pet Wellness. Please check them out. At least traffic to site. Go check it out, and you you might find something very reasonably priced. the The CBD it's twenty two seventy five dollars. If you want to get a small one, you can't beat that. You cannot find American made CBD pet products for twenty dollars anywhere. So check it out. It means a lot to us. Um, myself and him, but um, let's get into it. Let's get into it. You don't want to. You didn't come here to be sold shit, okay? Um, this is fun, man. This is like I said. I, I've mentioned things like this in the past. Um, I mentioned at the beginning here that you know Kyle talking about this uh, and, and sending this this you know Mario sixty four thing in. I think that's incredibly interesting, and I'm surprised more people don't talk about conspiracies in video games. There's some stuff on YouTube. There's some great stuff on YouTube, actually. I watched a couple videos to get some ideas of games, and then obviously did a little bit of research on the side from it. But holy shit, is there a ton of this information out there, right? Like, if you do some digging, you can find some wild things that can scare you, they can make you think, all that good shit. And as I mentioned, I wanted to start with Polybius, right? Um... Polybius, if you look at those conspiracy icebergs that are out there, and there's a video game one specifically, I could not find the one that I had first seen when I wanted to do this episode, when I first got the idea to do it after, like I said, Kyle sent that that post to us. Um, there's like all the different tiers, and at the bottom, it's just a blank layer, and it just says Polybius. So I was like, okay, of course I got to look at this really quick. And it's wild. I mean, it, you know, going back to the iceberg thing, when I was talking about the conspiracy iceberg, there's that Lavender Town syndrome that I mentioned from the Pokemon games, right? I think it's Pokemon Red and Blue, and I believe only Japan, where kids, like, I think it was up to 200 kids, like, killed themselves after they heard this song that plays in Lavender Town. It's actually a really depressing sort of scene in the Lavender Town where, uh, you know, some guy that you've been working with throughout the game loses his Pokemon. He's really a kid. Uh, loses his Pokemon, and then, like, in, in Lavender Town, you confront the demons of, like, losing someone that you love. It's almost, like, it's eerily like losing a child is kind of like the undertone to this, right? 
because the guy's saying something along the lines like, imagine the thing that you love most just being killed and it's you're never going to see it again, blah, blah, blah. And I think that it just kind of like depressed some of these kids um, and, and made them feel like they had some part in that, right? Japan, it's like a culture where they take shame very differently. It's almost like if you if you feel shame, you almost have to act on it in some way. So uh, I think that that was kind of like the psychological aspect of that was freaking these kids out, making them feel like they hurt something or somebody so bad, so deeply that they had to do something to themselves. And it's it's tragic. It's 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 very interesting when you start looking into you know, what kind of effects video games have on kids. And like I said, with this first one, Polybius, end all be all, okay? Um, it's interesting, too, that there's no real proof, okay? There's no proof that this game ever existed, but there's people that live by the fact that they have played this game. They swear up and down. Uh, there was some sort of FOIA, that uh, a FOIA request. Uh, it turned up no information uh, about the game Polybius, there's images of the, the FOIA online, and uh, basically what it is, is this game that was popping up in 1981 all throughout like rural areas of Portland, I guess, um, or maybe more like suburban areas, right? Again, 81, this is, this is what, 40 years ago at this point, right? Um, this, is a, this is a pretty wild idea that these games are popping up, you got like a blank black box. They call them cabinets for these arcade games. A blank cabinet with some game, and it calls, it's called Polybius. Um, the idea here is that it's a government-run crowdsourced psychology experiment. And it's interesting when you think about that. It's, it's just like, okay, couldn't all of these be some sort of psychological experiment, all these video games, right? Playing this game supposedly... Again, because there's no proof that it's real. Supposedly produced intense psychoactive and addictive effects in the player. Now, people also claim that the men in black would periodically visit these games, plug something into them, and collect some sort of data. And players actually suffered from all kinds of fucked up side effects from this. Seizures, amnesia, insomnia, night terrors, hallucinations, just to name a few of them. And... um like, I mean, isn't that alone, isn't that interesting that right away you're getting, like, serious psychoactive and serious, like, withdrawal effects almost, right? If you are addicted to some drugs out there, I'm not going to name any, and you quit them, you're going to have seizures, you're going to have insomnia, right? Maybe hallucinations or night terrors. These are side effects that are that are very similar to that of any kind of drug use, Right? Uh, I would say extended drug use. But I do want to point out here, too, that the big scare about this was that it was collecting data, right? It was, like I said, a government-run crowdsourced psychology experiment. Collecting data on the players, uh, obviously, you know, when you beat a game, you typically enter some kind of information. I didn't really get any kind of information on, uh, is it just initials like it is in most games, or do you put your full name? Do you put your age? Is it just scanning your retinas? Is it, I mean, what is it doing, right? Now... After some of these side effects were seen and reported, more of these games started popping up all over the place. But out of nowhere, Polybius just disappears. Okay, It's really hard to prove what the gameplay is like, but essentially what it seems like is basically asteroids. But it's all kinds of like numbers, shapes, letters, a ton of sounds, like an overwhelming amount of sounds. And uh, 
there are there is proof that like some of those sounds that are on like your phone video games and shit like that they add to the addiction because this tees me up for exactly what I was going to say here is that Data mining is a big problem in the 80s. We're so concerned, and this is a big problem. The men in black are involved, and this is the hugest video game conspiracy of all time is Polybius, right? It is in some movies. I think it's in the Loki movie, actually, or the Loki TV show, rather. Um, data mining happens every day, and these addictive aspects of these video games are on social media are very present, like, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all these things, they're overly addictive and you stick on your phones. On Monday Night Master Debaters, we were talking about video games and what the point is. Were they doing some sort of experiments on us back then as kids? They said yes, I said no. I believe this was to get us used to the screens. Now, you can agree or disagree with me. You could say that back in the 80s, they were running these experiments. I tend to believe in the alternate conspiracy here with this game, okay? Uh, to go back to what I was saying there, I think, you know, for me as a kid and a lot of kids that I knew, we would rather be outside most of the time riding bikes, skateboards, playing football, whatever. And it's not that, I mean, I was a very active kid and I was fairly athletic as a child. Um, but most people wanted to do that. Unless you were like a fat slob, you kind of wanted to be outside a lot. Or, or maybe if you were picked on a lot, you just wanted to kind of isolate yourself and play video games, whatever. But... I believe that once it gets to a point where even athletic kids or even kids that are social are choosing to stick to a screen rather than go outside and get exercise and sun and all the you know the good things that come with that, I think that's when the the war or the 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 I guess this would be like a culture war, right? I guess that would be won by the people that are trying to get us stuck to the screens. It starts decades before the actual event or the actual effect I should say of this stuff really kind of manifests so I think the video games like Super Nintendo uh, what they call it NES right um, and obviously you'll, you'll probably be able to tell throughout the episode I'm not the biggest gamer right um, I like my shooter games Call of Duty and all that stuff but this this is just a wild one to me that I think you know going back to the video games of the old days that was to get us in the habit. That was to create culture and to create habits for people. Once they get done working, once they're done with their stressful shit, you get to go home, you maybe eat something, and then you play a video game, you watch a movie, you're on a screen. Now the screens are in our pockets constantly, so it's almost a part of our life. It's not even, I think it transcends addiction at this point. It's just there. It's like it, it, you're addicted to your phone the same way that you're like addicted to air, right? It's just there. It's constantly there for you. So this one is is, is a pretty wild, uh, pretty wild way to start it. But uh, there was also a couple of FBI raids related to this game. Some of the allegations uh, of like some of these arcades being like you know some sort of plant, some deep state plants for some of these places. I don't know. I think it's very interesting. There, the the theory that I was telling you that I believe where this uh, game really comes from and what it actually is, is a theory that I saw when I was scrolling through YouTube. Um, and real quick, it was so funny watching this video, reading through the comments on the video of the alleged gameplay of Polybius. There's a, like a, a bunch of comments uh, along the lines of like... Uh, you know, I, 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 I remember playing this game and I used to love it so much. 
And then, you know, I had to stop playing for a little while because I went and did uh, five tours over in Afghanistan and Iraq. And I killed a lot of people, but man, I love this game. And and it, this makes me, this brings back good memories and shit, right? Like it's like an MK Ultra tool to uh, to get people to, in the military and and get them used to killing. There's there's proof that like Doom and things like that, they're kind of CIA tied operations to get people used to killing. The military used to do that as well. It's proven that they would train people that didn't want to shoot at the enemy. They would train them to shoot at these video game characters and get used to it. But the theory I mentioned that I believe with this game, I wasn't there in Portland. I don't know if this was real. I love the theory. I love the idea that there's some men in black out there that planted this game Polybius with all kinds of hypnotizing shapes, hypnotizing algorithms involved in all this. I mean, it's just light years ahead of its time, essentially, when it comes to a game, right? Supposedly kids are lining up around the block and they're fighting each other and killing each other over like just a chance to play this game for as long as they can, right? I think that what happened was this game called Tempest that came out in 1981. And this just makes sense. I didn't come up with this theory. I read it. it makes sense. Another game that came out the same year used to cause seizures. It was so bright. The screen was bright. They didn't have the proper filter on the screen. And so the first kid that played it had a seizure. These guys in suits, these execs, come down, fix the machine, dim it down, you know, do whatever they need to do with the lights and the sounds and all that. And uh, then more of these games start popping up. So it, it could have just been as simple as one person seeing one group of men in suits go and make some adjustments on an arcade game that's experimental, right? They all come out and play in black boxes when they're being tested, usually in rural areas, right? All that it takes is one sight of two dudes going in fucking with a machine like that. I'm sure they weren't wearing sunglasses. Maybe they were. I wasn't there, like I said. But, um, you know, then this game starts popping up and then Tempest, uh, which is not an overly popular game from my understanding back then anyway. Um, I think that that's kind of what the confusion comes from. But it's just it, I, like, where do these things start? If there's nothing to them, where do they start? Right. Is it just some crazy asshole that makes some shit up? I tend to think not like that's that's why I'm torn with this one. So I'm interested what you guys think if you've heard of um, Polybius here and and uh, I mean, just the FBI's involved. There were there was probably some raids, right? There was a couple of raids in the 80s and people, like I said, swear up and down that they saw the game with their own eyes. And it was like no other game that you'd ever played. Just one of those simple, like I said, similar to Asteroids, simple, addictive, easy, fun to play for everybody. Um interesting stuff though I, I found that just fascinating and that's where I got to the rest of these right like you know you find that kind of stuff and then you just want to keep going there was this game also called taboo uh taboo the sixth sense and this is a 1989 tarot tarot card deck video game basically advertised as the time machine on nintendo this is what it was called as the time machine on nintendo you could predict the future with this taboo the sixth sense game um, now, this would be actually considered false advertising later. A lot of people got really upset with this because they actually believed. Remember, video games are new. A lot of people actually believed that this tarot deck game was like you could you could bet your life on this shit. If you ask it like a question about the Super Bowl and it predicts something for you, you could predict it and you'll you'll have a 100 percent chance of success. Again, video games are new. Understand the the, the mindset there a little bit. Um once you go and you start this game, you enter your name, your date of birth, your gender. 
I think there was only two genders back in the 80s, in 89 specifically, right? Um, then you get three lines of space to work with to ask a taboo question. I don't know exactly how many characters that is, but again, this is a simpler time. Three lines, ask it a taboo question. It can be whatever kind of question you want. It doesn't have to be taboo. And I should also mention really quick that, you know, a lot of parents were very concerned about this shit, right? The video games are, are targeted towards kids. There's a lot of suspicion and fear about the occult and esoteric shit like the tarot deck, right? I would I would obviously say to most people, when you think of like esoteric or esoterica or, or whatever the fuck you nerds like to call it out there, um, the tarot deck is, is part of that, right? So a lot of parents were very concerned about this. And from what I understand, when you put the question into these three lines, you get 10 tarot cards and it tells you what they all are. You flip through them. Um, and, and I think that it's, this seems like I've said before, the same way that I view digital Ouija boards, right? Which I think this is what AI is. It's, it's what it's becoming. These chatbots. I feel like it's an actual entity. There's something that is communicating through that thing, whether it's even a computer or what, it is a separate entity that is not human that you're talking with. That's the same case here. This non-human entity is dealing you these cards. It's not random, right? When when there's a computer involved, it can never be random. Even a random generator, there will be patterns in a random generator of some kind, right? A name generator. Um, that's why it trips me out when p people play uh, roulette on a fucking, you know, phone or something, right? And they actually put real hard-earned money. Or poker. If you're playing, like, poker where there's actual money involved and you're playing a computer, dude, the computer knows what you've been dealt, right? It might let you win just enough so that you continue playing, but it's always going to win. More so, I would say, even than in real life. So I, I absolutely think that these digital versions of the real-life things are potentially even more harmful. And what's scary about this is that it actually supposedly, again, I have to use that word a lot here, uh, predicted a couple of kids' deaths back in the late 80s, early 90s. So there are a couple of other tarot card games out there. Uh, most of them are in Japan for, for whatever reason, but this was like the only NES American version of the tarot deck game, and I think it's very, very wild that this was ever put out there. I think early testing of some of the shit that we're seeing today with, you know, AI chatbots and these things. Again, Taboo, The Sixth Sense. Now, this one gets a little creepy. This next one here, Elder Scrolls 3. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Elder Scrolls uh, games. I'm not exactly sure what it is. It seems like an RPG type situation, kind of like a World of Warcraft almost or something like that. Now, mods are basically, you know, if we're all playing a, a game and I want to create something, a character or some sort of like, I don't know, maybe like a cheat code or something, whatever, uh, mostly characters, I would create this character and that would be considered a mod, right? And all kinds of other people are affected by these mods. Potentially, they could play with them, they can interact with them. And there was this mod on Elder Scrolls 3 that went by jvk116z.esp. From now on, I'm just calling it JV, okay? But this JV thing was a mod for Morrowind, or Morrowind, maybe. Again, haven't played this game, and I'm fucking glad, because this would have made me shit my pants 
if I was like in high school playing this shit. So if I'm understanding this correctly, it was uh, on everyone's game that played this Morrowind shit with Elder Scrolls, okay? I probably, some nerd out there is probably telling me that I'm butchering this, but it, it is what it is, okay? Um, what I understand is that this was automatically installed when you started playing the games. You know how your phone updates and whatnot. Playing the newest version of Elder Scrolls 3, this JV mod was included in there after it was created, okay? Supposedly, again, it made a lot of players go crazy. It corrupted a lot of files on computers. And if you were able to play around this thing, right? If you were able to stay alive while this mod was up and running, it would do weird things like if you stood still, it would drain your health. It would make other NPCs start acting weird and all this stuff, right? Now, if you ended up dying, if you if you stayed still for too long or you got killed or, or died some way in the game, you would be brought back, but once you were brought back, there would be this spider-like creature that was around you, okay? It would appear kind of randomly, lurking on the screen, all that kind of stuff. Um, there would also be this new dungeon that would appear in this game called the Hall of Portraits. And this is where I thought this just, I mean, this, like I said, would blow my fucking mind. The Hall of Portraits in the game ends up, once you go into the Hall of Portraits, it ends up being all of the pictures that are in your computer's picture file, right? In your gallery, pictures of your wife, maybe, maybe, maybe she's naked, maybe pictures of your family, pictures of your kids, your dogs, shit like that, are in this video game displayed on the Hall of Portraits as like the game's own artwork, right? And supposedly they were fairly high res, so like the pictures would be in this hall. Could you imagine that as a, as a kid? You're fucking around on this game. Not everybody, you know, really understands the internet very much. I remember I used to play computer games, and I was considered to be, like, slower when it came to computers, right? Um, I liked, like, war games and civilization games and shit like that. So I was playing those, and I was good at them, but I didn't understand all the coding and all this stuff. I would have fucked... I'm not even lying. I would have cried, probably, if I saw that shit. If I'm walking around, and, you know, maybe I'm, like, stoned or I'm, like, drinking or something... And I see in this game that I'm just like otherwise kind of zoning out and having fun, a picture of my family or maybe some embarrassing picture. You know how kids are. They take weird pictures of themselves and shit. That's just up there, right? And from what I understand, other people can see this too. So I think it's just a, it's a terrifying concept. This is some of the shit that was in back when like this kind of was the Wild West, right? There wasn't like all this sensitivity shit. Now there would be like there'd be a full on investigation. This kind of just went by the wayside. But holy shit, just imagine seeing like your own pictures from your computer up in the damn video game that you're playing. Wild shit. But now this next one here takes some time to get through and I will do it quickly, but I still want to be thorough with it. This is the Madden curse. Now, maybe you guys have heard about this. And I hope that I'm not wasting your time too much, but there is a legitimate pattern here with the Madden curse. And if you're not familiar with what this is, you're in for a treat here because basically there's this there's this football game out there called Madden, right? And they I think that they came out in 89, if I'm not mistaken, and they started putting characters or rather players, I should say, 
on the covers before 89 for about 10 years it seemed like it was just uh John Madden himself was on the game John Madden famous football announcer I think he was a coach for the Raiders before that um Hall of Fame figure probably the most I mean absolutely the most influential iconic figure in the NFL which is the biggest sport in this country for some fucking reason now what the Madden curse is is that any player that was put on that year of the cover so they do like Madden 89 Madden 99 Madden 2000 2001 you get the idea Every football player that was on that cover of that year usually got fucked up the very next year. Usually. Now, there's some circumstances where it takes two years or longer. But every single one of these characters, I keep calling them characters, and that's really realistically what they are. Uh, but I should I should refer to it in the proper term. These players, um, every single one of these guys gets fucked with. And I think that they're actually kind of onto this. Um, because in the most recent version, the 2023 Madden 23, uh, Madden was on the cover. There wasn't any player on the cover, right? So I think they're going back to their roots. Nobody really wants to embrace this. Even when they put two players on the cover, there seems to be two, two like issues that go on with these two players. And I, you know me, you know, I love my UFC and there's a UFC video game and I didn't look into the pattern too much. But this most recent version of the UFC, they call it UFC 4, I think, the UFC game. Now, there's several variations of the covers. They'll do like one-offs, and you'll see different covers with all kinds of different fighters on there. The main one has Israel Adesanya and Jorge Masvidal, right? Israel Adesanya, at the end of 2022, November, he lost his long-reigning title defense, uh, or long-reigning title, I should say, to his, like, biggest boogeyman, like his nemesis, this guy Alex Padilla, is a fucking beast of a human being, followed this guy throughout his career and just knocks him out every time they fight or, or beats him in a decision, right? Now, Izzy did win his title back, but the other guy that's always on the cover, the, these two together, Israel Adesanya and Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal, his dad just like shot someone in his fucking house right and then um jorge masvidal is also going through like a lot of legal trouble excuse me with uh an incident that went on with another fighter colby covington so there's other ones like anderson silva he broke his fucking leg in the damn in a fight just by kicking somebody and and it i think the kick got checked and uh and he broke his leg mcgregor's on there a lot of people say well mcgregor's got great luck I did an episode on this guy a while back, and, I mean, he has, he's got an interesting story there. Um, some wild shit's happened to him. John Jones, interesting legal troubles, right? Um, who else has been on there? I'm just looking online uh, through images. I know Habib, his father passed away. Um, Habib Nurmagomedov. You got a lot. You got quite a few of, of the very, very strange, I mean, just like, who they had... Um, on one of the older ones, Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes got hit by a fucking train. You know what I mean? He's alive, but he's like essentially almost brain dead. It's very, very interesting to think about what could possibly happen if you get put on a cover like that. And if so many people have that in their hands, does that throw some kind of energy off? Does something bad happen right there? I don't know. I think it's fucking crazy, though, because watch this pattern that is very real here. With Madden, this has been uh, in creation a lot longer since the UFC, right? I think the first UFC event was in 91. Obviously, 
the um, video games came out much later. But, I mean, you can sit there, and, and being just a casual observer of sports, you know that the NFL is much more established than the UFC. So, therefore, they're going to have a lot more video games out there. There's a longer pattern here that's very established. And bear with me, because this is incredibly fascinating shit to look at, okay? Like I said, this has gotten to a point where a lot of players don't want to be on the cover. You're, we're going to see, like, a, a cheerleader get on the cover, and she's going to end up, like, breaking her fucking leg, doing a flip or something. It's wild. But let's get into the list here. And this is courtesy of the sports book that I use, FanDuel. And they have a really good piece about this. This only goes up to 2021, but I did the legwork. I found 2022, and I found 2023. And the pattern continues past where FanDuel ends it because they wrote the article back in um, in 21. So, going back to 99, the very first year that they put somebody on the cover, Garrison Hurst. Now, he led the 49ers to the playoffs and then broke his ankle so bad that he was out for two seasons. And when he returned, he was never the same for your first guy there. In 2000, Barry Sanders was on the cover unexpectedly retires during training camp. This is like uh, essentially a first. This guy was, he's considered the greatest of all time by some people, right? Eddie George. And and I should stop myself really quick and say some of these are much worse than the others, but there is very strange patterns here. Eddie George, one of my favorite uh, running backs as a kid, actually my hands down favorite because I liked the Tennessee Titans when I was a kid for some reason, no real known reason. I think I liked the color scheme. Eddie George um, lost the ball and was essentially responsible for the Titans losing out of the playoffs, right? They were supposed to absolutely get in. I think they went to the the Super Bowl the year before. Um, that might have been the year that they lost to the Rams. I'm not a huge football fan anymore. I was as a kid. Uh, I, I, so he, he loses the ball. He's essentially responsible for the Titans losing out of the playoffs and not having their opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. After this, injuries just keep stacking up for Eddie George until he has to retire three years later in 2004. The 2002 cover had Dante Culpepper, and the season before he had 33 touchdowns. Interesting, right? 33 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. That's an incredible ratio. That's great. Anytime you have like double or triple, even some people have triple. This is closer to double touchdowns to interceptions that's phenomenal this guy going 13 and I'm sorry 33 and 16 and then after he gets on the cover he has 14 touchdowns and 13 interceptions that's a huge drop off before leading the Vikings to a four and seven record and suffering a season ending knee injury okay so we're getting injuries starting to stack up here in 2003 Marshall Fault graces the cover one of the best of all time consistently hitting 1,000 yards a season until he gets on the cover. He suffers an, uh, uh, this ankle injury that lingers with him for the rest of his career, caused him to miss two games, and prevented him from rushing for over 1,000 yards, a feat that he would never accomplish again throughout the rest of his career. And then he retires kind of on a downward slope, right? Uh, all But all after getting on the cover. He was a dominant, like a like I said, I hate using the term GOAT, but a lot of people see Marshall Falk as the greatest running back of all time, okay? Next up in 2004, we've got everybody's favorite football player, everybody's favorite person, everybody's favorite dog owner, Michael Vick, okay? Michael Vick in 2004. Now, I forgot to put him into my uh, 
sheet here of, of notes. So I'll just read directly off the site. It's a short one. Michael Vick in Madden 2004 to this day is still considered the closest thing to a cheat code. So if you if you had this guy in the game, he was so damn fast in the game that people considered him a cheat code. Um, he was uh, lightning quick with seemingly, and he seemingly couldn't be tackled. Unfortunately, Michael Vick shattered his leg during the preseason that year and missed 11 games. Obviously, he's not ever running the same again if he shatters his leg in 2004 after being on the damn cover, right? Now, they do this a little weird. I think that the uh, the games come out a year before. So Madden 24 will be coming out this year, right? If I'm not mis- it's either it's either that or it's inversed. But yeah, and then you obviously know about all of the, you know, like fucking shit that he was guilty of with the dogs, right? Like fight dog fighting rings and he got caught with that. It would have been after this cuz Madden uh, EA Sports would never allow someone like that to be on uh, a cover of any of their games and I think he was kicked out of the league shortly after that if I'm not mistaken. 2005 we're going to move through these. Ray Lewis was on the cover. Uh, his tackles and his defensive stats dropped significantly, but some could argue the curse didn't actually hit him until the following season when he only played six games due to an injury. 2006, Donovan McNabb was on the cover. McNabb got hurt and ended up missing seven games that season, and McNabb never made it back to the Pro Bowl after the 2006-2007 season. Um, Sean Alexander was once on the cover as well in 2007. Alexander fractured his foot, missing six games, and never truly recovered from the injury. He was out of the league entirely soon after that. Next up, 2008, Vince Young. Okay, Vince Young was uh, soon deemed after he was on the cover of this, mentally unstable and placed on suicide watch. Arguably, this is the worst case of the Madden curse here. The Titans ended up releasing him once he bounced around the league for, uh, you know, a couple couple of different teams. And uh, ultimately, he takes his job back at the University of Texas and um, gets fired from there. So, you know, the guy really got fucked around here. 2009, year I graduated high school, Brett Favre, kind of kind of still going through some weird shit with, like, money laundering and stuff, if I'm remembering this correctly. Um there's some welfare scandal that they call it, but anyway, th- this curse has, has really followed him. He had some scandals going on during his following year of being on the cover of uh, Madden 2009, and um, also had to finish out his career with a bicep injury, okay? In 2010, Troy Palomalu and Larry Fitzgerald, an Arizona Cardinal, were on the cover of Madden 2010. Troy only played five games due to an ankle injury, and the Steelers didn't make it to the playoffs at all, despite winning the Super Bowl in uh, the previous year. And then Larry Fitzgerald missed the playoffs entirely with a rib injury. Okay, so these guys got injured. Now, you can sit here and you can say, yeah, dude, it's fucking football. Every single guy gets injured. This is a fucking pattern. At this point, 11 I've listed, it's a pattern. I've got more to go. Drew Brees made it through the regular season but got kicked out of the first round of the playoffs, and it may not seem like that big of a deal, but New Orleans was the biggest betting favorite in playoff history at the time, but the Saints ended up losing to the Seattle fucking Seahawks and went home way earlier than they had expected to. The Madden 2012, Peyton Hillis. You know, so this is what's interesting. Now that I just said Peyton... It reminds me that fucking Peyton Manning was never on the cover 
of any of these games. The guy is not afraid of publicity, right? He's done all kinds of commercials. He's like an owner in Wingstop, if I'm not mistaken. Why aren't some of these great players? And, and you know, I've mentioned a lot of people consider some of these other players the greatest of all time. You cannot have a greatest quarterback of all time conversation without putting Peyton Manning in there, right? I'm not saying he is the best, but he's definitely top five. Like, you can't even deny that he's top five. Why wasn't Peyton Manning ever on the cover, right? It seems like some people know about this shit. But this Peyton Hillis, I'm sure you haven't heard of this guy because he... It's kind of like a big one-hit wonder, essentially. He rushed over 1,000 yards, graced the cover of 2012, probably because they didn't really like the guy. And then he could not break 300 yards for the next following four seasons. And then he was just kicked out of the NFL. Um, so, yeah, big-time curse there. Almost seems like a pawn, essentially. 2013, Calvin Johnson... Not a bad one, but people say that he unexpectedly retired in 2016. Um, Again, some of these are more intense than others, but anytime you get an unexpected retirement, that is definitely strange. You always kind of wonder what's not really out there for everybody to, to learn. Adrian Peterson, this is a big one, a huge one really. The uh, Madden 2014, you got Adrian Peterson, one of the worst statistical years that he's ever had after being on the cover. But it wasn't until the season after that Peterson felt the curse actually full on, missing all but one game in 2014. And he got ripped for uh, using a stick to beat his son. That was that same year. That was in 2014. Um, The worst thing by far actually happens before. Uh, in 2013, Adrian Peterson lost a son. I guess uh, there was some aggravated assault situation. His his young son, like a toddler age, passed away from injuries. Um, that's sad stuff. And you almost wonder, like, I don't know, this happened a year before. This curse is already established. You kind of wonder why they put him on there in the first place. It's almost like, well, something bad already happened. Let's just throw him on there and see. Great player. I mean, phenomenal. A lot of people know uh, that dude was a beast. Now, 2015, Richard Sherman, another soft one here, but uh, he was released from the Seahawks, had a bit of a resurgence with his career with the Niners, and then uh, goes over to the Bucks. I don't think he plays anymore, but I heard that he got a job uh, doing analysis for Amazon, so it seems like he's he's fine, right? I mean, he's he's good. Had a big drop-off in, in stats after gracing the cover in 2015. 2016, OBJ... Um, it wasn't until the 2017 season when Beckham, uh, sustained a serious leg injury, missing 12 games. Okay. Uh, he's never been the same since he was when he was with the Giants. He was good when he was, when he was younger. And, uh, I think he's with the Browns now. He's good, but he's not like, you know, in my opinion, the only reason he has a household name is because of how good he was before 2017. Rob Gronkowski won the Super Bowl that year, but he played half the time. Because of a bad leg injury. He's a tough motherfucker, though, man. You can't really get that guy out with a fucking shotgun. Uh, Graduated from the U of A, by the way. 2018. Tom Brady, dude. This is the year that they lost the Super Bowl in a big upset with the second-string quarterback to the Eagles, Nick Foles. Uh, So that was his his curse. And, man, look at his life now. Like, yeah, he's rich and he's got a lot going for him. But the dude, like, went through an expensive divorce. His personal life is very much affected. Now he is, you know, was married to a witch. And he does get on the cover again in 2002, but I'll get there when I get there. 
2019, Madden 20, uh, I'm sorry, Madden 19, Antonio Brown was on there, and he was traded to the Steelers because of his off-field antics. Apparently, the guy's a real piece of shit. Then the Raiders picked him up, didn't play one game for the Raiders, and then he went over to the Patriots, but then they released him after sexual assault allegations. So this was all after he was on the cover. It's almost like it went to his head, right? Does it go to some of these people's heads and they kind of slack off a little? I don't know. It's hard to say. 2020, Patrick Mahomes won MVP and they won the Super Bowl that year, but he had a bad knee injury that still seems to give him issues today. The thing is, he's so fucking talented, it's really hard to tell. But I think he's definitely got some wear and tear on his body. Of course, he's a pro football player, but I attribute it to the Madden curse. Lamar Jackson in 2021, sharp drop off for Lamar Jackson after just having a dominant year. I mean, the guy's crazy. He's almost like a Vic, right? Like a Michael Vic, how quick he can be. The dude would be a running back if he was a little bigger, but he can also throw. So dude's got some injuries. He got kind of fucked up. I think this year too, he was like fucked up injured, like bad, bad. So, or maybe that was last year, but anyway, 2022, you got Brady and Mahomes, another double on the cover again Mahomes with his weird injury and Brady who was already on the cover already like thinks that he kind of suffered his big uh big you know Madden curse deal and then goes through this divorce directly after that right so wild I I think it's incredibly interesting and then of course I mentioned in the Madden 2023 John Madden's back on the cover baby he's already dead they can't do anything he can't he can't be hurt anymore so uh Throw him back on there, man. Wild. I mean, I, I don't know what you think of that. If you think it's a lot of loose coincidences, I get it. I think that's incredible. And, and even back to the point where in 2023, unlucky 23, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Who was the guy in 2013, by the way? Let's just scroll back up. Calvin Johnson. Okay. So, yeah, that was like one of the lightest ones where he just unexpectedly retired. But, man, stay off that cover. Now, I got a lot more to go here. Um, I know I I warned you I was going to spend a lot of time on that one, but let's move right along. Fallout 3. This is a fun game. Fallout 3, I think it started off on computers, if I'm not mistaken. It was real pixely when it first started. Now it's like some of the sickest gameplay that you can fucking see. Fallout 3. Uh, This came out in, I believe, 2008, I want to say. Okay. Um. I guess after you beat the game or maybe at a certain point when you're listening to the radio station because there's a radio that comes in and out and and you can kind of go in and and, uh, check shit out in the radio and listen to it for some entertainment purposes. It's one of those like kind of, you know, as games have evolved, there's like more side things and just kind of Easter eggs, they call them, where it's just like a pointless but interesting thing to the players. And one of these is this radio station where some I think it's a radio host or maybe it's like one of your buddies or something comes on the radio and starts predicting the future they accurately predict the time and date of Gary Coleman's death May 28th 2010 they have some false predictions they say Britney Spears wins an Oscar in 2023 that did not happen but I think that she worked with Elton John if I'm not mistaken Um, So maybe in a roundabout way, she had her fingers in some sort of Oscar deal. I know Elton John always has a big Oscar party. Um, They falsely predicted the Queen's death in 2014. But I mean, honestly, with that, who the fuck knows, right? Who knows when the Queen actually died? Because I don't think that she just passed away. That bitch was older than shit. 
Uh, she could have died in 2014 as far as I'm concerned. The most damning prediction that they make in this game that is just like undeniably fucking just crazy is you hear the numbers 945-420-2010. And then after you hear those numbers, you hear someone say accident in Gulf, several dead. And this was the first fucking like reported time and date at 9:45, right? It was really at I think 9:57. But 9:45, April 20th or 4:20, 2010 that Deepwater Horizon shit happened. You can google it right now when the Deepwater Horizon or the BP oil spill I think it was, right? Um you can look up when that happened. It was in fact April 20th. Uh, yeah, April 20th, 2010. Crazy, okay? Now I don't think that, that could be left up to coincidence. They had the time very close. Some people will say, well, why'd they say 945? It was at it was at uh, 957. Come on. That is dead on as far as I'm concerned. This is years later. Again, 2008, two years later, this fucking shit happens. Get the fuck out of here. Um, and a lot of the shit that they were predicting was in 2010. I'm actually going to double check to make sure. Fallout 3 release date. Um... When was this? Yeah, October 28th, 2008. I used to play this game. I don't remember this at all. Um, I was trying to get back into video games, but they were getting a little too, like, cerebral, like the Final Fantasy shit. There's cool graphics, but I like the fun gameplay stuff, right? So, anyway, um, if you believe that Fallout 3 was predicting shit accurately or somewhat accurately, they say that the end of the world happens in this game. They say that the end of the world happens 7 6 2000. 27 July 6th uh 2027 at 127 p.m. So I don't know do with that information what you will I'm going to go ahead and say that it does not end because you know what do I have to lose if it ends then you guys can make fun of me after we're all dead but uh yeah the game says after making one hauntingly accurate prediction July 6, 2027 at 127, okay? 127, interesting number, I will say. Uh, you got the 27 in there with the 27 club. You've got 10, uh, 1 and 0 uh, ends up adding up to 0 with the, if you add all those numbers up, just goes back to 1. So, I don't know, man, pretty weird, but let's move on. We got some more fun games to go through here. Kill Switch. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of Kill Switch. There's a new game that's come out called Kill Switch, but I'm talking about the one from 1989, okay? Very real game. It's not like the other, uh, some of the other games like Polybius where it's like, is this real? What's the deal here? Very, very real game. I guess uh, Carvena r released this game. I've never heard of them. Not going to act like I have, but there's only a few thousand copies, 5,000 from what I understand, and the gameplay is essentially, you can be two characters. You can be a human named Porto, or you can be like a zombie ghost type thing named Gast. Porto is a, a visible character. You can see her. Gast is invisible. So even to the player, you just got to assume that he's at the center of the screen. I don't know if you can jump or duck in the game or whatever. But you just kind of have to play with Porto to get familiar with it. And then uh, you can, you can you know, do the same things that you would do with Porto with Gast. Now, Porto... Because you might be asking yourself, why the fuck are you going to play with an invisible character? Porto has no superpowers in this game. You're essentially going through like a graveyard fighting undead zombies and shit. 
Porto has to just jump over, run around these zombies, right? And I understand it's a 2D game. You're just, it's like Mario, think of, okay? So you're jumping over the characters. You can't fuck with them at all. Gast, even though he's invisible, has some superpowers. He can shoot lasers or whatever the fuck, right? I'm sure it's some, like, curse or whatever that he does. Um, But he can essentially, like, kill some of these things that you would otherwise have to go around or jump over. Problem is no one's ever beaten the game with Gast, okay? When you beat the game with Porto, which is the only thing that anyone anyone's ever done before, what happens on this computer game is it shuts off, it wipes itself off your computer, and the CD no longer works. You can't reinstall it. You can't do anything. There's no proof that you ever even played the game. It's just wiped off of your computer. Hence the name Kill Switch. Now, it gets weirder because I mentioned there was 5,000 copies made back in 1989. No one could find any copies until 2005 when, a, I'm assuming, a filthy rich Japanese nerd, uh, probably one of these guys that has a baby mom, uh, not a baby fetish, a mom fetish, right, where they like to dress in like diapers and shit. Uh, this guy buys a copy of Kill Switch for a three quarters of a million dollars, $750,000. I don't know if it was in, in their currency or in American currency, but a ton of money. And he says he's going to document his entire gameplay experience through video, essentially on YouTube or something, right? Because, again, this is 2005. This is not long ago. There's YouTube. There's ways to share what you're doing. The only video that this guy ever shared was a picture in or or a video, rather, in the dark of the game, the character screen on in the background showing, do you want to choose Porto or Guest? And he's sitting there facing the camera crying. And that's the only video that he ever released. He's disappeared since then, supposedly. I don't know. That that It's an eerie situation right there, right? This guy spends a ton of money on this game, starts trying to play it, and the only video that he ever uploads is one of him crying. Now, did he get scammed? Is that all that you could do on this, on this game, right? No one really knows. There is footage of the game being played. But I always think it's really weird when it just gets wiped out. It's almost like there, there's some sort of test there, right? There's a test when when you buy a game and you can only play it once. All these kind of companies are obsessed with like, you know, selling shit and then reselling it. The value that it may hold in the future, right? Who knows? If anyone finds a game called Kill Switch, even if it's just in a box, buy that shit. Not the new one. But the old one, it's a black and white computer game. You're not going to see it in the store. You're not going to find it anywhere. Um, let me see if I can actually, I'll, I'll do a quick Google search. Uh, Kill Switch 1989. Oh, you can download the game. I would not recommend downloading it. Yeah, Carvina Corporation. Wow. Okay, so I wouldn't do it. It's on the Internet Archive, archive.org. There's no preview available for this item. The item does not appear to have any files that can be experienced on archive.org. Please download the files in this item to interact with them on your computer. I highly recommend that you do not do that because the case before was that you put the game in, you installed it, and then it wiped everything out uh, relating to the game. If you just put it in your computer, I mean, that's not that's not a that's not a smart thing to do. Um yeah, there's download kill.switch. I just want to see what it looks like. I know it's black and white, but uh, 
Let's see. Yeah, so when you when you try to search it, you see a lot of bullshit with the new game. So don't be confused. Yeah, it's black and white. There's a hand that you see. Um, it's the Porto gameplay you'll see. Kill Switch Porto gameplay part four uh, is the best video that I see on the images. But yes, freaky shit. Uh, that kind of stuff. Like the, similar to the, the idea of you know seeing your own computer picture files right there. Right? It, it's no good. Now, this next one, a little more of a goofy kind of fun thing, but it is kind of eerie how this kind of runs similar to how this same issue is addressed in real life, right? Talking about Grand Theft Auto, talking about San Andreas, okay? Also kind of tying this in with a, a game that came out later, Red Dead Redemption, okay? Now, this is funny, but I thought it was really interesting just because it kind of lets you know the... The misleading from some of these companies, Rockstar Games comes out with both these, right? San Andreas, all the Grand Theft Autos, and also Red Dead Redemption. Um, there's thousands, I mean, several hundreds of thousands of people, I would say. Uh, maybe not hundreds of thousands, but a lot. Because how many people have played San Andreas, right? Several thousand people have reported that they have seen Bigfoot in the game, okay? Now, this ordinarily wouldn't be much. It would be like, yeah, who gives a fuck? It's a little Easter egg that they put in there for some people, blah, blah, blah. The thing is, Rockstar has denied this. Rockstar says there's no Bigfoot in the game. Um, people have sent in proof that they've seen Bigfoot. And ironically, the pictures are either too pixelated, they're too blurry, just like the, the quote-unquote evidence of Bigfoot in the real world here, right? Now, the government denies that Bigfoot's real, the government in this Grand Theft Auto series would be Rockstar Games. They're the ones that created it. And I'm not saying the government creates the world. I'm just, you, you get the idea. I'm not going to go as far as saying that Rockstar Games is God in this because they created it. Although I'm sure that that's how they feel about it. You see the similarities here, right? You see the idea that you've got this authoritative figure that's saying there's no such thing. Thousands and thousands of people are saying it is a thing. They try to record proof. The proof is distorted, makes people seem crazy. Now, later on, you can actually see proof that there is Bigfoot because mods were created. All right, guys, for the record, I do believe that there was always a Bigfoot in there. Why would video game people lie, right? Why would they lie? If you want to hear the rest of the episode, head over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. I get into some more video games, some more fringe ones, and then also share a really interesting website with you that, you know, it's not going to change your life or nothing, but it's pretty fun to look into. And uh, it's got like a whole community behind it, it seems. So if you're interested, patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast, $3. You make that in like five minutes. Thanks for the support, guys. Talk soon.